All right, we're live. Trevor, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? How's it going? It's going good, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for jumping on the Real Estate Homies podcast. Uh, we are on episode nine. So uh, starting to flow, almost double digits. Yeah, I love it. I got to be one of the first 10. I'm honored. Yeah, I'm honored to have you, man. It's uh, been fun to follow you on, on Instagram. And so I think that you're going to drop a lot of good perspective here and on finance, on uh, real estate, and then also on marketing. So that, that's really what my goal is to kind of chat with you about today. Perfect. Let's do it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So if you could just start off with like a little bit of background on yourself um, and what you do and how you contribute to the real estate industry. Yeah. So I'm a, a mortgage lender, loan officer here in Reno, Nevada. Been doing this for about five, six years now. Um, prior to that, I was uh, in college, studied marketing, economics, um, but I was also doing a lot of video stuff through college, like shooting weddings, YouTube videos, stuff to just kind of you know, get some some side income through college. Um, so when I got into lending, that became kind of a big pillar of my marketing through uh, video and through social media. So that's something that I've kind of doubled down on the last few years. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's almost similar path as me. I, I used to do music back in the day. So, uh, you know, picked up a lot of just natural audio engineering video and whatnot through that. But uh you did that as well in college. So I, I took the same route, studied marketing in college, did the video productions, yeah. the audio, all that through there. Uh, and then somehow got a, we found ourselves here in this real estate industry, right? It's, it's yep. kind of funny how it works out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So, I mean, wh what was the background on that? Like, how did you get into video production? Was that just the thought you wanted to do going into college or was it something you did prior or? Yeah, so it kind of started in high school. It was uh, my brother was a, a really good football player, so he's getting a lot of recruiting for colleges. So I was actually making like his highlight reels uh, back in high school because it was kind of hard to find someone to do that. Um, and that was kind of where like the passion was ignited and shooting stuff. So then I bought a camera, started doing a lot of it for fun, and then in college, something I got a a lot of enjoyment and still get a lot of enjoyment out of. Um, something that I just really enjoy. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. That's super cool because that's where it's really helped me is I'm very creative in that sense of like liking to produce content and things like that. But so it was a little challenging for me myself to jump into a different industry because I knew I wanted to be creative. Yeah. And I actually went away from the creativity for some time. Did you kind of find that similar? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, dude, you can't get less, less creative than doing mortgages for a living, man. I just <laughs> stare at numbers and, and spreadsheets all day and like, uh, it's, it's, it's been super fulfilling to see those two worlds collide because it is kind of hard. I mean, you know how it is when you're a creative person and you feel like you're kind of in a world where you can't let that, um, you know, you don't have that creative outlet. It's cool that we've been able to, to develop that and still be able to do this business and have it actually be a huge growth, um, and sales component to this business. Yeah, but, that, that's what's super wild. So how did you go from, from college into a lending? Yeah. So I think the same as everyone, you just kind of fall backwards into it and, and all of a sudden you're there. But it was I was in casino gaming, actually, and then I uh, sold a company that I had started in that space and met a guy on a plane who owned a title company and then kind of uh, looked at going the title route and then just kind of, yeah, just one turn after the next ended up in lending. And then Wait, we got to we got to unravel a little bit. You <laughs> said you did good, like, casino casino gaming. What's this? Yeah. So I, I had a business and so I was doing sales for a company in casino gaming. So selling slot machines, parts for slot machines, stuff like that. And then uh, a buddy and, and myself started a company 
selling to casinos, like a, a component that goes on their slot machines. Um, and then after we sold that business, I was just skiing every day and then and met a dude on a plane on my way to a bachelor party. And uh, yeah, it was just a, a really interesting turn of events that led, led to this. Well, okay, we're gonna unravel more on this game, the the <laughs> casino thing. So you you built a business on selling casino parts. Yeah. So basically, uh, it was a uh, we were selling parts for slot machines, and what we came up with was you know like the screen protectors that go on your phone, just the yeah. The, so we made those for slot machines because a lot of these slot machines now are touchscreen. They're all touchscreens, and to replace those touchscreens is a, a really expensive part. Um, so we just started making these these screen protectors and. No one had done it, and it was a uh, yeah. How did you find a buyer for that? So, because that's a lot of people can build businesses, but they can't mm -hmm. find the exit. They can't sell it. So, how did you end up finding your buyer for your casino yeah. screen protector? <laughs> like that's so. It was crazy. actually the guy who owned the company that we were working for at the start. So we were selling mm -hmm. uh, parts and components to different casinos, and then once we started selling that. Um, yeah, it was just kind of a natural progression for him and for us, and it, it just worked out. Nice. So then you exit, yeah. you start, you know, kind of just living a little bit, skiing, hanging yeah. out, doing all that, and then yeah. you go on a, a airplane and you go on a bachelor party and you meet a guy that does lending. So he was he owned a title company in town. Okay, title. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's it's such a weird story because it was so I met him on the plane and talked to him at that time is when we had just started this company. And so I was telling him about the company we had started because he owned a business where I was talking just, you know, business owner to business owner. And then uh, it was actually like months after I saw him again at some some event and was catching up with him. And oh, yeah, we met on the plane talking. And then that's when I told him. He's like, how's the screen protected business? I was like, oh, I actually just got out of it. So if you know anyone hiring like halfway joking and he was like, dude, I'll take you. So then that conversation started with him. And then uh yeah, super bizarre. He ended up selling his title company to go into lending. So he's like, dude, this is where I think we should go. Um, you got a place wherever I go. So so you actually went into title before lending. So I never even started in title. So the conversation started with him on like, let, let's see if this would be a fit. Um, literally very casual. Like we went and grabbed grabbed drinks and just like, let me, what is what is title? I don't even know what this is. At that point, like had no experience in this industry. Um so he had kind of just given me the rundown of like, this is what you would do at our company, blah, blah, blah. This is what your comp looks like. And then it was like two weeks later, he's decided to to sell his company as well. Um, and then he's like, I want to go into lending and I think you would kill it. So if you want to go with me, you've got a place. So that's how it all started right there. Just yep. like that. Yeah. That's incredible. And so so what have you learned since then, dude? It's probably been... Gosh. Yeah, it's been a, it's been crazy because like coming into this, I didn't know much about lending. I didn't know um, I bought my first house like right around the same time I got into the business. So right when I was getting into it, like I was very uh, unfamiliar with what this whole process looked like. So, yeah, I've learned I've learned a ton about the business and the industry. Luckily, like I studied economics. I've always loved investing. I've loved personal finance. So this was like a really good fit uh, for me. So I've learned a ton about the industry and then also just the the sales and marketing side of like how we get business, um, what we can do to get more business. And then having that background in video was something that I didn't get to exercise a lot at the start. And then I joined Neil. So Neil's actually two doors down from me. We're in the same office. Oh, no um, way. Yep. And that's what kind of, you know, jump started this whole uh, kind of social media growing and, and where we're at today. Yeah, kind of it got your creative mode back on, huh? 
Yeah. So I was trying to do it at, at my previous company, but it, it's, it's hard because it is a, just creating content and putting it out is, is a really tough thing to do because you don't get to, to see people nodding. You know, there's no face to face. There's no like uh, interaction when you're doing it. So you make these videos and you're kind of like, are these, are these being received well? Are these worth it? Are they not? So it's really easy to talk yourself out of doing this. So I had created mm -hmm. a couple of videos when I was at my last company because I knew this is like a, a wide open um, kind of gap in our, in our market because no one's doing it locally. And then I just didn't sustain it. So being with Neil, we've created such a cool environment like in our office to be able to do this. I mean, every day, every week and just continue to do it. And uh, yeah, it's been been really cool. Yeah, that because that's the major part of it's the consistency. So mm -hmm. at your other company, you were able to put put out a couple, but you didn't was everybody in the office may have not been as like uh, see the value in the content creation process. So if if not everybody's bought in, it, it can make it challenging as a company to see it. So yet way it's like, hey, here's what I'm doing with my time. Right. Um, right. Um, but yeah, man, that's awesome. Neil Neil crushes it. And I love like the uh, just the whole process he's built like with the content days and everything like that. I mean, it's really created a streamlined way to batch out content and, and publish it. Is that something you kind of stick to as well when you're putting out this content? Yeah, it's a little, uh, it, it comes in waves because obviously the the day job and what pays the bills is doing loans, right? So it's like they, we get these these massive influx of deals and problems and you know, we have to to continue to to close these. And so it gets hard to set aside time to keep doing the content. Um, so it is, it's like, it's this machine, but it also like we, we have to do it when we can. So there's times where I'm able to sit down and bust out a bunch of videos. And then there's times where I just got to shoot it, edit it and put it up same day just to, to make sure I'm staying on top of it. Yep. Yeah. So that's, and that's the hard part, right? Is that you're, <laughs> you're still having to run a business on top of it. Which yep. it is part of the business, you know, and it's yeah. a big value to it. I mean, you've been able to build a following of like 45,000 people on Instagram. So like kudos yep. to you because that's that's takes a lot of work to and consistency to be able to put that value out there to yeah. then get that followers up, you know. So I can only imagine that you're uh, putting in a ton of hours to make all this possible. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting too, because it's a self-feeding cycle of like the more time I dedicate to social, the more deals that come in, which require more time, which then I need to go back to social. So it's just like, the more you do, the more you get, but that makes it hard to continue. Um, yes. But I mean, a good problem to have nonetheless. Yeah. I think that at that point in business is probably where like delegations got to become that major strength yep. and b building the right team underneath you to be able to to handle that because obviously people are resonating well with your content. So it is important that you are producing content consistently. Mm -hmm. So th that's gotta be a hurdle you're probably heading into is how do I, yeah. how do I delegate some of this out while still being able to sell and keep that same service and everything, you know, all yeah. the way through. Yeah, man, you hit it on the head. That's kind of been the, the goal for the last years, making sure we have the processes in place and the people in place um, to make sure that we can sustain this and still deliver a really high quality level of service. Cause that's something that I take a ton of pride on is, is the customer experience. When I get someone in, um, we don't want to just kind of, you know, put them in an assembly line and, and force them through. So I want to make sure that stuff's getting done and they still get the attention they need. So the, the team's been a huge, uh, focus of mine for the last year. 
So how do you maintain that? Because I think a lot of people probably think you're a superpower, like have some superpowers to be able to put out the content you are while still knowing that the ultimate priority is customer experience. So what are some things you do to make sure that that is still in check and not even in check, but top priority? Yeah. So I actually use a lot of uh, video to help with this. So when I'm going through situations with customers at the start, I'll shoot videos just like this. So this this camera is uh, attached to my computer. So I'll send them personalized videos on their situation, run through numbers, um, run through their disclosures. So staying on top of uh, making sure that they're set up really good at the start and and when things really matter for them. And then when it comes down to collecting you know clerical items and making sure that uh, we have what we need to get the loan done, that's when it's then passed off to a team member who has then been trained on the same type of you know customer experience that that we want um but videos made a huge difference because i'm able to get that that face-to-face -face at scale because i could sit down and do a lot of these and dig into their files send them a personalized video and then kind of go to the next so throughout the process um my clients are getting that pretty consistently uh, yeah i love that now no, is there anything that's like automated video like uh, i've seen that actually in a lending process i was in one time where um, I bought a house and under that specific lender, I was kind of getting videos along the way. Do yeah. you do something like that that are more like kind of generic templated as well as doing some custom ones? Yeah, you got it. It's it's a mix of the two. So there's certain things that are going to be the same with every single loan. So certain benchmarks they hit um, and those are automated videos that go out and and kind of give an overview of like, here's where you're at in the process. Here's what you can expect. Um, so it's kind of a mix between the two. If there's any time I can send a personal one, I definitely take advantage of that. But then there are those uh, pre-filmed ones that we've we've got for everybody. Love that, man. Yeah. So what? how did this all just like unfold where you're like, all right, I need to have it this intricate. I need to have this process all the way through. Is that something that you designed or you had mentors help you through? Who kind of helped you mold this model? Yeah, it's super interesting because in lending, everybody kind of does things. There's 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 a lot of ways to get loans done, right? And everybody kind of has their own. And mine's kind of been an accumulation of seeing how different loan officers run their teams, run their business. Um, through social media, I've actually been able to connect with a lot of high producing loan officers and and uh, be able to exchange like different tactics and approaches. So yeah, this was kind of my own system and process, but it's been like an accumulation of a lot of different people uh, that do stuff I like. I love that, man. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. So I, let's dive a little bit deeper into the marketing side of things. Like it always fascinates me how different sectors and verticals acquire business. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of what Dippity works with right now, uh, where I'm at, it's a, it's a real estate marketing agency, but everybody's pretty much like I'd say 90% of our business is um, residential real estate teams and brokers. Mm -hmm. um, but the mortgage vertical is so fascinating to me. And so like, what are some practices and things that you see in your industry for um, a like lead generation like standpoint um, that people do? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different approaches, but uh, typically for lending, our biggest referral sources are realtors, financial advisors, accountants. Um, so we're going a lot of business to business rather than going consumer direct. So there's still an arm of, you know, like mailers and door knocking and, and the old fashioned way, but for lending, we focus more on getting referral partners rather than the the direct consumers. Gotcha. Um, so for me, it's been cool leveraging the the social media video marketing 
um, to get both of that. So I do get some consumer direct um, through Instagram. And then I also get a lot of business relationships that I'm able to, to cater to and, um, you know, offer value to people and, and get their business and their referrals. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes total sense. Cause you see it, uh, you know, a lot where in, with residential real estate where they're generating leads direct to consumer. So like running Google ads to try to see who's selling a home. But I've even seen where like they have a a lender partner that Mm -hmm. they end up, you know, having either help with advertising budget or helping in some sort of way um, be a part of it all. Right. Cause it all kind of funnels together if you have those referral partners. Yeah. And we've done a lot of those types of things as well too. It's just, it's interesting with, with internet leads because you could get so many of them but you got to vet all of them. So mm-hmm. if you're running these these campaigns and you're just getting lead after lead, um, weeding through all of those can become, you know, a job in and of itself is just funneling through these to try and find uh, legitimate prospects. So it's cool because there's a lot of different, you know, funnels that you can use and ways of preventing people. And this goes back to if you have a team, you know, you have some guys that are just focusing on on going through all these leads and trying to convert them. And there's some that are just way better than others where you're converting, you know, one out of a hundred and there's some where you're converting one out of a thousand. Um, yep. But yeah, that's kind of the the nature of the business. Do you see that a lot though in uh, the mortgage industry at all where investing in like, let's say Google ads yeah. and putting like putting money towards keyword bidding and doing it that way, or <laughs> we're in real estate, like a lot of the people like on the agent side of things, they'll drive people to like homes for sale. They have the product itself right. uh, using the MLS, which is usually, you know, you're going to get cheaper traffic having the product itself. Right. What obstacles do you do lenders face with that? Because I feel like it, it would be a little bit more challenging not having a product to be able to necessarily sell outside of like, um, you know, the application process and, uh, you know, refinancing, things like that. So what do you feel like you see from a positioning standpoint that they use for Google ads and things like that? Yeah. So a lot of, I mean, the Google ads, I don't know anyone who's doing that. There, there's one guy in town who's, who's doing a really good job with like Yelp and and Google ads, and he's got a big team vetting through it. Um, it's something that I haven't personally dug into just because again, the, the, the quality of lead that comes from it is just, is harder to convert. And the time that I'm spending, you know, creating content and videos and trying to build relationships, the level of lead is just a, a lot warmer where I'm getting them. Um, yep. So I haven't dedicated a ton of time to the the other different forms of getting online leads. Um, so I can't really speak you gra- to. Yeah, you grab your lower hanging fruit, which was creating videos and things like that. That made so much more sense for you to be able to kind of go into that realm uh, first. Yeah. yeah and now, I think what have you seen that, from that? Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's been cool because I've had to kind of build my own funnels to to take on these these leads and these contacts and these connections. And by doing that, I'm doing a lot of the legwork that that used to be done by running an ad, getting a phone call or an email that you're then trying to convert. Um, and through this, it's actually put me in a really good position, I think, to eventually start doubling down on on ads and internet leads because I've now put because I've been forced to have these systems in place that are going to funnel these leads for us. Um, can, so I think eventually can you dive that, deeper on that, like what, when you like th- how your funnel, like the funnel you've kind of created for yourself. So for, for my process, I have through Instagram, they're going to the, the link in bio, which then drives them to, you know, where they should be. So this is 
joining an online community, um, which is a Facebook group that I have. So then you're nurturing these leads in there and you're giving them kind of the information that they need to be able to get a house. So by the time they come to you, they already know they need to check these boxes of credit income assets. Um, so then the quality of lead that comes out of there is good. And then also doing these consultation calls with someone on my team, another loan officer that I have. Um, and it's a similar thing of here's where you need to get. Are you here now? Great. You can do a deal. If not, like we're going to put you on a, a drip or a nurture list. Um, so right now that's kind of the funnels that I have going is getting these leads and then putting them in, you know, the now later, much later kind of category. Gotcha. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. I, I love it. I wanted to definitely get your mindset on, on, uh, marketing because you do it well, especially yeah. with the video side of things you, you you're doing really well with it, but now I kind of want to get some advising, right? Like on, on real estate it's, itself. And, um, it's a little bit of the mortgage side of it. So, cool. um, I, I have a big fascination with like short-term rentals. So that's okay. kind of like my thing. And it's a trending topic. It, yep. It's, it, it definitely Absolutely. is. Have you seen like, what, what's your perspective on like the short-term rental uh, when it comes to investing? I know you're into personal finance and everything like that. Is there certain loans that make more sense for short-term rentals? And what are those? So, when you're going for short-term rentals, the loan guidelines haven't really uh, adapted to that yet. So when you're running these performas and these numbers, when you go to qualify for your loan, it's still going to be based on long-term rental numbers, right? So if you're looking at, you know, your mortgage is going to be three grand a month and based on your short-term rental performa, you're looking at, uh, you know, having four grand a month, whatever coming in. When you go to buy the house, we're going to go off of long-term rental numbers, which may be 2,600. So that 26 isn't enough to cover the mortgage, right? So you're still going to have to have a little gap for income to qualify. Um, but it's something that you just kind of know ahead of time, like I'm going into this for short-term rental. I'm going to have to qualify it under the same guidelines as a long-term um, and then just make sure that that uh, everything pencils out the way that you think it's yeah. going to go with the short-term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there and aren't it, a ton of like, as far as different products through through a mortgage company, um, you kind of just have the, the same investment products that you do with long-term rental. Got you. Now I've yeah. seen things, um, where people do like, you know, vacation rentals and they'll yeah. be like, Hey, you know, this is a home. Like I don't live in, I live in Florida. You're, okay. you're in Vegas area. Right. So yeah. I may be like, Hey, I'm interested in getting a vacation home in the Reno area. Yeah. Uh, could I get a, a different product? because it is a vacation home that I'm able to like rent out and then use it myself. Like, is that a thing? I've seen that. So I'm not sure. Yeah. About so, and that's, that's a hard one because as the guidelines are, are written, if you're buying it as a second home, it's not an income producing property. So the way the guidelines are written, if you are getting a, a property to rent out, then that is an investment property. Um, so I know there's a lot of, of content on ways to get around that, yes. but from the compliant, mortgage side if 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 it's making money it has to be an investment property good i um, like to hear the truth man I yeah. Like to hear that. yeah 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 and there and there there are a ton of like there there's hard money loans there's private money loans there's kind of a lot of different ways to to get into the investment game um but yeah from my side that's that's kind of what i gotta say yeah no absolutely yeah. no and and so what i like though is i actually saw a piece of content that you pu pushed out because a lot of people right now i think are heavily trying to figure out where to invest their money. Mm -hmm. And something you put out I thought was really, really cool was you compared it to the stock market and like getting an 8% return. 
Yeah. And then you actually spun that by showing people like the best way to actually go about it is paying off their debts. Yeah. Is if their debts are higher than what they right. can assume. Yeah. So what are some thoughts on like um on that like can you dive a little bit deeper on that and just kind of elaborate i guess while on this episode of what that looked like yeah so for that that approach because i think uh for younger people there's so much information out there about how to make money um but you kind of have to read between the the lines and and weed out the stuff that doesn't really apply to you um and honestly, it's it's funny with apps like Robinhood, with crypto being a, a low barrier to entry to be able to buy some of this stuff. There's a lot of people that have become kind of overnight investors. And what they're doing is they're they're trying to get a return that I think uh, short term, right? Because last last few years has been it'd be, it'd be hard to lose money if you're investing. Like I'd be very impressed if you lost because everything's gone up. So I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. And then, so a lot of younger investors, they're looking at like, Oh, you just make 30% a year. If you invest, like that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but what I try to go back to, cause this was something that I studied prior to getting in this and something that I've always loved is like long-term that's when you're looking at the, the average returns. And that's when you're getting to the 8%, not the 35, 40, you know, I bought Bitcoin and it tripled. Those numbers aren't, aren't, uh, there's no long-term pattern for that. So a lot of these people are starting to invest thinking that, you know, I'm going to make these ridiculous amounts of money because I'm going to invest a thousand bucks and turn it into a hundred grand. Uh, in reality, you kind of have to run these numbers assuming historic returns. And when you do that, what you're investing into the stock market or anything that you're trying to get a return on is less than the return, less than what you're paying in interest on some of your debt. So that video is going into like if you're paying 11% interest on a debt and you're making 8%, like for all intents and purposes, an 8% return is great, but you're you're hustling backwards, mm -hmm. you know. So you're better off getting this stuff out of the way than investing because then 8% is net eight and and you win. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people don't understand that. Like they, they kind of they they look for the you know there's so much content out there like you're saying it's like almost information mm -hmm. overload of yeah. there's a million ways to go about it and. So to be able to see like paying off debt isn't as sexy yeah. as, you know, getting, getting 8% return on Amazon stock. Yeah. But it's ultimately still more return than you would have got. Yeah. And it's weird because so much of the stuff I'm making is it's, it's, it isn't sexy, man. Like it's, it's, I'm talking about paying off, you know, amounts of debt or putting away a few hundred dollars a month in a saving or a few hundred bucks into an investment account. Um, and then you you really just have to try and zoom out and look at the big picture. Like these little steps have a huge return, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's hard to to articulate to that that to people, which is kind of what what has been cool about reels is like how can I make something that is very very boring uh, and and not cool because it's really cool this like you know sell you on a pipe dream of making millions of dollars off a hundred bucks, but the reality is like these are the the tried and true and the proven ways of of making money for centuries yeah and that's worked yeah. for centuries so like historically it's worked in the future it's going to work like this is whether the market pulls back goes sideways whatever it is like this is what has worked in the past yeah, yeah. oh dude yeah. I, I got on a probably a year where i got in an obsession of some dave ramsey content right so go. it's like yeah you know it then 
Oh, dude. Yeah, I went in. I, I paid off every. I, I stopped eating. I was. Like, <laughs> I, I was. Just, I went all in. I paid off everything I could pay off, and and except for the mortgages, and then just yep. kept investing. And that's been the model, right? Just invest, 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 because I eliminated that consumer debt, though. Yeah. So that I had to take the non-sexy route first. Yep. To eliminate the consumer debt, to then go, and that's when it gets more fun, right? Because yeah. now you can decide where you want to invest and put the money. But I think a lot of people right now, especially the youth, seeing a lot of this content, it feels like that get rich quick. And so I do worry. I do worry yeah. sometimes. I'm like, man, they really got to lo- learn the financial literacy side of things first before yeah. just going all in on investing on Cardano only, you know, or yeah. something like that. Dude, and that's the other problem that, that we're kind of combating is like, there's a lot of people that take the anti day because Dave Ramsey, right? He kind of, he swings one direction and then you have people swinging the other, like debt is great. Use other people's money to make more money. Um, but the problem with it is like Dave's approach, which is, is very, yeah, no debts, cut up your credit score. Don't even have a credit score. You know, like that's, that's an extreme view, but it works for 99% of people in the U S if you follow that, you're going to be much, much better off. And then the other side of this swing is the people that are like, every dollar I use needs to be someone else's. Debt is great, Mm -hmm. leverage it. And that applies to 0.0001%, right? Like those people that know like, okay, I'm going to take this money, collateralize it to get this return, collateralize it to get this. Like this is a very specific person that applies to, but that information gets pumped out to the masses. So now Mm -hmm. there is this misconception, like that, that video I made about paying off debt, the amount of people that are saying like debt is the way that wealth is made. Like, yes, every billionaire has leveraged large amounts of debt. Those are the billionaires. Like that's the the zero 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 one percent. The millionaires did not do that. The the, no. the one that's, you know, so yeah, if you are starting a tech company and developing and acquiring massive land deals to do this, then sure. But when these, you know, 18 year olds uh, are are drowning themselves in debt because they don't understand that and think that debt is how they're going to become a billionaire. They're, it's it's a tough road for them. I know. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I saw a podcast with Mark Cuban once where um, he he's, man, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but he was basically like, I think he was 25 years old or something when he got his first hundred grand. It was something fairly okay. young. It was a hundred grand. Yeah. And then he talks about getting up to a million and like when his company sold for a million dollars. And, you know, they said, you know, if we took away all your money again, could you become a billionaire again? And he's like, no way. Like becoming a millionaire again, I could do it. I know what it takes to become a millionaire, like the discipline. He's like, but to become a billionaire is pure luck. Like, but so many people have this just because of the mass amounts of information getting pumped out. And they have this misconception i think that we're all gonna be billionaires even though it'd be great right like amazing i love mark for that because he always kind of has like i was at the right place at the right time like i had a tech company during the dot-com boom and i sold it and i got like if he started that 10 years sooner 10 years later he would not be a billionaire and he's the first one to say that which is is cool because uh because he doesn't make his money off of telling people that he's a billionaire right but then there's a lot of these people uh the cardones of the world that they make their money off of being that source of information. So then yep. when they're telling you how they do it, it's like, man, this, this applies to a very, very, very small amount of people mm-hmm. that we all think we are in that 
that 0.001% when we're all probably closer to the other 99%. So, yeah, we said that I just had a episode with my buddy, Charles Burgess, and we were talking about like the road to success is like the boring diet. It's the, it's the the grilled chicken, the baked, the the black beans and rice. And like, that's it, you know, and find it, rinse and repeat and keep going. and, And you will eventually have that financial freedom, you know, you're looking for, or that business that you're looking for, like one step at a time was the way he kind of positioned it where a lot of people are trying to, you ever try to climb a stair w- with four steps at a time? Like you're yeah. going to get tired all the way up. Yeah. And, uh, so Dude, those analogies, I love the working out and, and dieting ones because they're so similar in the sense of like, you want to lose weight. Step one would be to like eat less, right? Like you mm-hmm. want to save more money, spend less. Like it's that simple, but everybody wants like the one food or, or supplement that all of a sudden drops 80 pounds or they want that one investment that gives them this. But like, the grassroot of it, if you really want to see an outcome, man, it's not, it's not rocket science. Oh, like dude, the information and that's what there. I, I actually hated about for my industry, like with digital marketing is because you've seen it. Like there's the dudes on YouTube, like, do you want a freaking Range Rover, dude? Do you yeah. want to, do you want to live on the beach? Like <laughs> run Facebook ads. Yeah, it's like, no, shipping. dude, this is, yeah. Drop shipping, Amazon FBA, all this stuff. And it's like, I hate it because there's so much value in what, we do at Dippity, like as with Facebook advertising and Google advertising, but there is such a misconception of like the expectation of what it can really do and what really happens yeah. when you invest in these things that it is extremely challenging at times with, with some people that, you know, want to become clients or want to work with us. It's like, man, this is not a magic pill. This is not anything that's going to make you a gazillionaire because you invested, you know, two grand into Facebook or two grand <laughs> into Google. Yeah. There's a process and work to be done after the fact. Right. Um, which, you know, I love that you push out content like that. Like you're, you're giving people ideas of how to save money. You're giving people ideas of how to invest money, even though you're not a financial advisor. Yeah. You're, you're, you know, a mortgage loan officer giving additional value. Yeah. Um, so I, I love it. It's sick, man. Dude, I'm curious too. What are, what are, uh, going off of that with you guys? What's, what's your biggest pushback that you get from, from realtors that don't understand? Cause same, same thing we do. You're, you're selling them on something that you know is, is tried and true. It's ROI positive, but they want the moon, right? Is that, is that what you see in, in with Dippity? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's certain times, um, you know, not, it's not everybody, but like, I get it. You invest your money, you want to get a return. Um, it's not always sexy knowing that you have to generate this lead and call it 10 times yeah, in order for this to work. And yeah. so, um, you know, a lot of the things out there just make it seem like, you know, there's a lot of processes where you can automate texts and automate emails and yeah. all of that goes out and it's, people are now using it as a crutch versus a, um, an assistant, right. You know, if you will, where like really the gold is in the calls. So it makes it really hard where to, to coach that and have people understand that like just investing in lead generation doesn't equal lead conversion. Like you also have to learn how to sell on the phone, how to serve on the phone. Really, that's what it boils down to is how to serve on the phone because that's what you should be doing. Like how you obsess over client experience, 
that's exactly what it is, is if you mm-hmm. kept that obsession over client experience while you're calling these leads, it would happen so much more easily, like authentically yeah. to convert them. Yeah. Dude, I love that. That's something too we've seen with like, cause now uh, Neil and I have been helping other people create, create content, right? Um, and it's to, to move the needle and to grow your business. Neil's seen tremendous success with this. I've seen a ton of success over the last couple of years. But I think people, again, to your point, just think it's this, okay, I make video, get views, and I'm rich. It's like, no, you do this, do this. And then now you have to use that to then leverage relationships. Once you get relationships, convert to deals. Once you get deals, convert. So it's like the, yeah, I don't, I, it, I think it's just harder than people always think, you know? Yeah. Um, well, people are looking for like what you said. They're looking for the one product that fixes everything not really realizing like this is a part of the solution not the solution right right exactly that's right and for you guys i'm sure you see it too is that the customers you really want are the ones that understand that oh yeah it's long-term long-term mindset is everything and 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 that's where it makes it challenging i'm sure on both ends like you probably go through the same thing where in the mortgage industry, there is somewhat of a long-term mindset of like, Hey, you can get the loan at this price. I think you posted something about this, like where it's like uh, thinking of it from the long-term about uh, being housebroke. I think it's yeah, the way yeah, you, yeah. you positioned it. Yeah. So talk deeper on that real quick. Cause I, I love that, that piece of content. Yeah. It was, it's funny. Cause we've, we've talked about it a lot. And then I've, I finally made a video on it. Cause we talk about going housebroke and like, man, this payment so much, but it's like house broke. But, but when you're buying a house, like you're, you're investing that money every month, right? Like you're forced to, you have to pay your mortgage every month to keep living. And just by chance, you're investing in real estate. Like your mortgage is a real estate investment. So if your house broke, that's kind of the best broke because you're not really broke. You know what I mean? So those people that like, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and you get a house, you're still going to live paycheck to paycheck, but now you have a house that's an investment and it's going up. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of this, this play on like, man, house broke's the, the best broke. Yeah, no, it yeah. is the best broke. It's be- of being broke. It would be the best broke, right? Yeah, because- You don't want to be broke period, but if you're going to be broke, that's a good broke. Yeah. I'll take yeah. that broke. Yeah, for sure. Because think about it. If you were renting, the first bill you're usually going to pay is your rent because you yeah. need the roof over your head. Yeah. And then after you pay your rent, I don't know what you're going to do with it outside of that. You could go open credit cards and go flex and like spend it all and shoes and clothes and all that. But if you take away that by, by investing it into your, your mortgage, I I got it. I liked it. I'm sure you probably got some criticism for that one. Cause people are like, what? You don't want to be house broke, but yeah. I got where you were going with it. I love it, man. And that was the the conversation we had so many times was this before I made the the video of like, wait, house broke. No, you don't want to, you don't want to go house broke. But then when you go full circle of like, there are a lot of people, a ton of people that they spend whatever's left. So if you're taking more and that's going to, and that's, that's why we have, you know, social security, 401k, all those things come out before it even goes into your paycheck. Because otherwise, no one would save and no one would invest. Um, so if you're doing that, that's the same. Like, yeah, I pay my living expense first, and then I evaluate the rest of the situation. So let's grow the living expense, and let's make that go into something that's going to make you money. Now you're still broke, but you're not broke, broke. You're just, broke, broke, broke. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> you're just you're just house broke. Yeah, house I love broke. it, dude. Yeah. So awesome. so for people that are renters and they're wanting to become like a first time home buyer, I know that you've done content around like tricks about how to save. Mm-hmm. Like, cause a lot of people they suck at saving yeah. money, dude. Yeah. They suck at saving money. So like, what are some ways that those tricks that you've, you feel like are ways that you can save money for that first down payment when you suck at saving money? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it goes back to like, when you see the money, it's gone. So for me, I think that there's a few that are, are really cool to start implementing. One is just that automatic direct deposit into a different account. Um, so if you're a lot of payroll apps will actually let you do this in the app. So like ADP into it, um, whatever payroll service, you can have a portion of your income go into a different account direct deposit. So if you can set that up, that's great because you're taxing yourself before it gets in your hands. Um, and then all of a sudden you don't even know it and that account's been growing. So that's one tactic that I think is is great for people because they don't have the opportunity of spending it because it's hard once you get the money to then put it away. Like we want to we want to go do something with it. So that one's one of my favorite. And then the other one that uh, I made a video on this, but I think it's a really cool thing to do because it, it helps with a few things is if you're renting and you want a mortgage, when you're paying your rent, put a big chunk towards into your savings account, but try to acclimate towards what this mortgage payment would be. So the one I had an example is like, if your rent's 1500 and you think you'd be okay with a $2,000 mortgage, on the day that rent's due, pay 1500 to your landlord, put 500 in another bank account, now you're simultaneously like saving money and you're seeing what your life would be like with a $2,000 outflow. Yep. And, so and man, you don't have to do that for forever, right? Like it's yeah. they, people have to realize it's a short term pain. And if you can get in, get yourself acclimated to a two grand a month loan, yep. then whenever it comes time to actually get a mortgage, it could be $1,400 a month. It could be yeah. $1,300 a month because yep. Chances are it's going to be lower than rent rate if you were to go to a similar lifestyle that yeah. you were already renting in. Yeah. And there you go. Now you got $700 cash flow that you didn't know you, you you could have because you just changed that discipline a little bit. Yeah. Um, Dude, and it's cool too because once you get into a, a property, like with rent, rent adjusts the same way your, your income does. So ideally your income goes up a little bit every year indefinitely, right? Um, so does your rent. With a mortgage, like it, it doesn't do that. It stays the same for 30 years. So when people finally like, okay, I've adjusted to this outflow of, of say two grand a month, they get their mortgages two grand a month. When they get a little raise, like their their lifestyle got better. Every mm-hmm. year their lifestyle gets a lot better because that that two thousand dollar mortgage is still two thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So it is a cool here's like a cool, and if you're a renter, here's a cool way to go about it too, is like Tell me, I don't know, this could be completely stupid. I kind of just came up with it. But yeah. uh, <laughs> like you get your mortgage, let's say at $1,200, right? And you're used to a $1,500 rent and you know your rent's going to go up each year. You're already acclimated to that if you've been renting your entire life. You know mm-hmm. it, your rent goes up and your income goes up, but you lock in a mortgage, keep that same mindset and look at what rental rates are and then just pay that yep. additional to your to your principal. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what that number would look like of how quickly it would end up paying off if you just followed rent rates. Yeah, um, I think I just did one where it was 300 bucks a month over your mortgage and it's it's seven years. It trims off of your your 30-year mortgage, which is a, a big chunk and it saves you, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in interest. And um, But that same approach, which is kind of like the the debt, debt snowball approach of like, okay, my outflows are this. Once you pay off a debt, 
continue paying what you're paying there to the next one to the next one. And then when you get done, you're like, man, I was paying $700 a month towards these debts that are now gone. Don't now let that 700 be an inflow. Have that now going into an investment account or overpaying your mortgage mm-hmm. or something else. Cause it's crazy how quickly we acclimate to whatever our income is. Yeah. Like you, you adjust oh. very, very fast. So if you rob yourself of 700 bucks, you'll see like you just figure it out and it's okay. Yeah. You know? See, I get obsessive. I'm probably like OCD. I use mint. Have you ever heard of mint? Yeah. 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 So I use it for the business. I use it for multiple businesses and then I use it for uh personal as well. So I kind of like actually like snowball all my budgets all down to my personal eventually. Um, I love it. But I mean, it's, it's obsessive to the point where I know every single month at the end of the month, how much money do I have to just invest? Because yep. all the other debts that I want to pay off are paid off, right? Like, yep. do I want to chunk at the principal? Do I want to buy some crypto? Do I want to, yeah. uh, you know, save up for an investment property, reinvest it in the business? Like, yep. there's just so many different ways you can spin it when you know that number. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That's when it gets really fun. Dude, and that it, I think it's so, again, back to like working out, it is that you just have to start. And then once you do, you start seeing returns. And once you see results and returns, that's when it like stimulates you to keep doing it. So if you mm-hmm. haven't started the process, like it's that fictional idea of, of what it could be, just like working out. Like, I know I could get in better shape and look better and feel better, but I went and did 10 pushups the other day and I didn't do anything. So I just stopped. It's like, well, let's mm-hmm. stick to it, do it. And then you'll see results. And once you see results and that's where people could get like borderline obsessive with their health because they yeah. know the result. Like, I feel amazed. I don't want to go back to how I felt, you know? Yeah. Next thing you know, like I'm at the show, like all sprayed up and exactly. I got my, uh, yeah, yeah, dude. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. in high school, all of a sudden he, you know, starts lifting and then he's just doing shows every weekend. Yeah. 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 And you're like, dude, I mean, he, he, because he saw the result and he got obsessed and feels good. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. It yeah. feels good. Exactly, man. Dude, I appreciate you that's jumping cool. on, man. It's been fun. Yeah. This has been a blast, man. I enjoyed it. No, thank you so much, man. I, I'm looking forward to staying connected and uh, hopefully meeting up, man, down at an event or something, you know, maybe with Neil Connor somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Neil's actually got one coming in uh, on July 22nd down in Vegas as like Gary V is going to be there. Ed Milet. I saw that. Um, it's a pretty beastly lineup. So maybe. Yeah, I'll wait, hold on. There's Gary, Ed Milet. Gary, Ed Milet, Cole Hatter, Bradley, uh, Neil speaking, Albert Press, Preciado. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a lineup, man, and I'm watching how much work he's putting into what this actual show is gonna look like, and it's it's pretty unreal because we've been to a lot of these, and we're basically taking the best from everything and removing all the stuff of like, you know, the the awkward uh, moments in between speakers, like all those things are are gone. So it's just it's gonna be a pretty killer show. Neil's on his Kanye shit right now. He's yeah, like, no, this is gonna be this is gonna be dialed in. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> it's gonna it. be something, man. I'm, uh, but yeah, hopefully I I, I see you there somewhere in the future. Yeah, that would be fun. sick, man. That's July. Do you know the date exactly? July twenty second at, at Resorts World in Vegas. Love it. I mean, you can't yank my arm to come to Vegas. So yeah, yeah, with that lineup, man, that's that's tough to beat. Uh, yeah, I'm excited awesome, for bro. it. I appreciate you, Trevor. Awesome, man. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man.